Hey guys, welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. Today we are on episode 55 and we are talking about one of our favorite books of all time, continuing our book review series or book recommendation series. Cade, how are you, brother? I'm doing pretty good, my man. For all of you guys who are out there watching, uh, you might notice we've got an upgrade to our camera setup. Um, Scott and I, we've been talking for a while now, uh, had some great recommendations from some other investors and friends of ours doing podcasts. And we're happy to have Jake and Ethan with Ascent Film Co. They've got their whole setup in here for us. I think it's going to be a really, really dope upgrade to the podcast. So I'm pumped. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Let's talk about it. We have on uh, today's podcast, we are talking about how to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Yep. This has been one of the most talked about books, I think, in our industry that I can think of, outside of maybe Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. This is another big one. And I think the big reason why is that it's uh, uh, all around, it's a universal book. This isn't a book you need to read if you want to be in real estate. This isn't the book you need to read if you want to be in business. This is a book that really works for anybody, right? Absolutely. And it it's, you can see... Uh, the big sticker on here says 80th anniversary edition. So this book has been out for a really long time. And I know some people I've talked to who have read the book or I've made the book recommendation to, um, they're surprised the book's been around that long, but is still that popular. And I think that's why we're excited to talk about is it is because it is still so relevant and there's so many gold nuggets in there that it it makes it a no-brainer why it's still talked about so much and why we're even talking about it right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to admit the first time I read this book was I was outside. um, I had a house I was selling in the Christmas time of 2018. No, 20. Yeah, 2018. And I was doing open houses to a weekend every weekend. And this was before I had any money at all to invest in myself. This was one of the mistakes. But I went on YouTube, which you'll find this, and I looked up How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, free audiobook. And I listened to it on two speed on YouTube in my pocket connected to the house Wi-Fi while I was standing outside of a completely dead open house. And it took me like, I don't know, two or three open houses to finish it because when people would come in, I'd stop. Mm -hmm. But oh my gosh, this is another one of the books that after I read it, I thought to myself, like, why isn't this something taught in high schools? You know, and this is a book, if you're in high school right now, that would be awesome for you to listen to before you get into the real world and that you can start implementing right away. You know, some of these negotiation books and other books that we're reading, they're not as uh, universally helpful. Yeah. And one funny thing to note too, and and that reminded me, was I remember the first time I picked up that book and started reading it, um, I I had some people who saw the book I was reading and they saw the title and they were like, how to win friends and influence people. And they're like... what like what's wrong with you are you trying to be like a pick me guy or like like what what, what's going on and and i i want i want to set the preface that it's not set up to be that way as we both know the the way you get through life get through business get through work everything is your relationships and and this is a book focused on how to best improve work on and work with those relationships and how to get those moving. So um, let's jump into it, man. So yeah, I know this was a big book. 
um, bigger than some of the other ones we've reviewed. So obviously we're not going to go sub chapter by sub chapter and go through the whole thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but we wanted to hit some key points, kind of let you guys know who are listening and who are watching what, what we're really thinking about talking about for the main parts of this book. Yeah. So the chapter or the, the book structured in chapters and sub chapters. If you're going to read this book, I recommend take your time and enjoy it because this is a, a really dense book of good information. It's not hard to read. Um, so you might be inclined to do what I did and try to read it all at once, but I've read this book probably at least 10 times now. And, um, every time I listen to it, there's something different that is, you know, really worth thinking about. So let's just kind of talk about it. It starts off with like the fundamentals of how to influence and how to talk to people and influence people and influence and manipulate. They're very different, right? So one of the the first things that like the that i can think of that the book does a really good thing talking about is um restraining yourself from condemnation or uh discouragement or negativity right and we talk about that in a lot of the other stuff that we do where you always when possible bring up the positives don't talk about all the negatives and uh it it follows up with how to provide positives but it, it starts mostly by saying here's what not to do and providing that roadmap Yeah, because, I mean, if you're walking around, uh, you know, criticizing people and just talking down on people, I mean, it it, it sounds like common sense, but that's literally a terrible way to go about your personal life, your work life. You're going to be really unliked very quickly Mm -hmm. if you're walking around criticizing, talking down on people, or even just complaining. If people hear you complaining all the time, they're not going to want to be around you. You're not going to be <laughs> a very popular guy with Absolutely. your friends, family, coworkers, anything. Yeah. No, that's a that's a really interesting point. You know, when you think about the person, if you're in school or you're in an office right now, you think about the person that you're most attracted to talk to, not, you know, any romantic attraction, but the person that you think of the most highly, they're probably the person who complains the least, uh, talks down on others the least, talks down on themselves the least, right? They're usually going to be a positive demeanor. And I think the book starts a really good preface by saying, if you want to be an influential person that people want to be around, you can't be that guy. And it's very difficult. I mean, I've tried giving up. I'm Catholic, as everybody knows. I tried giving up complaining for Lent. And man, did that suck. That was a joke. (laughs) Um, No, and so it's it's difficult to not complain and the book admits that you can't just not complain at all but it gives a lot of references on ways to say things um throughout the book it gives ways to give criticism or complain or feedback or negativity in a positive light but starting that book off by reminding people that you don't want to be the negative person in the room that's the best preface i think that they could have done yeah and that's a really good point too because you know that one of the pushbacks might be you know with us saying, you know, you can't go around criticizing people, right? Um, we had Stratton Brown on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and mm-hmm. he was talking about business leadership, right? Like yeah. being in a leadership position. And I do, I, I agree. It when you do, you do need to give criticism in, in the workplace when it's needed, right? right. Whether it's um, you know somebody who needs to make a change in the way they're doing things, an employee, um, something like that. You as a leader, it is your job to go in and provide constructive criticism, right? And provide it in the right light, structure it in the right way to where. The person receiving that criticism is one going to walk away feeling from that 
in, in a positive light, not walk away feeling negative or walking, walking away, um, you know, with their head down. Right. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say it that way because literally the following chapter, it says what not to do. Mm-hmm. And the human psyche is then going to think about doing that. So then it transitions and it talks about giving approbation and praise and sincerely, right? A huge portion of this book, if you're listening right now, is about sincerity. You know, the difference between manipulation and influence has to come from your motivation. Your manipulation comes from a sense of, I'm trying to just control people. I'm just trying to get people to bend to my will. Influencing people is having some form of sincere appreciation for whatever you're talking about, and then giving that freely to the other person and reminding them of their significance, importance, and value to the team. And like what you were just saying, in those situations where you have to give maybe constructive feedback regarding somebody in the workplace or maybe a family member, being able to do that in a way that still allows you to give approbation and praise and give them a sincere compliment, that that's going to be the deal breaker. Yeah, if I'm if I'm remembering it correctly, the the way they recommend to do that is if you do have a piece of constructive criticism that you do need to give is one to start with a compliment or start with a praise, start with something that they are doing well. Yeah. Then follow it up with the constructive criticism, right? Because the the book talks about when you start with that compliment, you start with making that person feel good. The way they take that constructive criticism is a lot better and a lot healthier than if you just start with the criticism. Right. Right. And then after doing and finishing the criticism, they recommend following up with, again, another praise, another compliment, another thing that they're doing well. The thing I think of right off the bat that we've tried very well to do this with is our team. Uh, each of our respective teams that do a heck of a lot of calls for us. Yeah. Right. We are constantly scripting and working and tweaking um, our script for our team members who Mm -hmm. make a bunch of calls for us. Right. And I remember um, multiple times you've turned to me during your scripting and your your, on mute uh, on your role play meeting and mute and you you turn and you go, was that too mean? Was was that, uh, did I do a good job there? Yeah. And, And, it can be hard to structure it that that way because we we just think about um, it's very easy to think about just giving the feedback, fixing it, and then boom, let's go, let's go, let's go. Right. It can be hard to remember to let your team or let your people know how well they're doing too. Yeah, that's really good. That's that's really really important, and that's been influential. We talked about it on Stratton's podcast, but bringing it back up is key the last portion of like the fundamentals, right? So you had like, don't be negative and condescending and complaining. Be lavish with your approbation and, or uh, I don't remember the exact phrase, but you know, pretty much be open and uh, genuine about your appreciation for others. The last one was talking about uh, um, having that ability to talk about what they're interested in and motivating people by talking about you know, things that they find interesting. You know, uh, it talks about you're attracting more uh, bees with honey than um, with a jar of whatever. I'm doing a great job remembering my sayings today. Um, <laughs> but it's all right. We got we got started a little, a little early today with uh, getting this whole new, new setup set up. So <laughs> yeah, I already killed my coffee. I should have brought an extra. Um, 
but it's important talking about what other people like. And so whenever we start our conversations, we always are trying to make it about the other person and we're not perfect, right? Yeah. We're obviously human and we want to talk about stuff we're interested in as well, but being able to find what other people are interested in and have a genuine appreciation and interest in it yourself, that's the last fundamental to becoming really good with building friends and those relationships. And if you're listening to this book uh, or reading this book with the goal of actually influencing people and creating, you know, friendships, you need to be really good at this last step because even if you're very, very polite and kind and you're not negative or criticizing, if all you do is talk about yourself, you're not going to build a ton of friends. Yeah. Well, let, let's kind of tie in those those past couple things. Um, that The one we talked about before that, which I think really applies to how you come off when you do um, try to show the other person or show people, you know, genuine interest in what they're interested in is coming across as genuine, right? Right. P- people can very quickly tell if your interest in them, your interest in their hobbies, their things, um, and anything is genuine. So if, if you're not in it sincerely and genuinely, that's going to come across very quickly. And kind of segueing that next would be talking to the other person. We, we make this, we talk about this all the time, especially when we're talking to sellers, right? And the aspect of real estate is you should be listening more than you're talking. Right. We should be talking like 25% of the time and letting the other person talk about 75%. Right. When you do that, not only do you come across as an effective and a good listener, but when you're being sincere with you know, whatever you're talking to that person about, trying to figure out their interest, that conversation, and they walk away from that conversation feeling a lot better than if you were to do it the other way. And when you listen very, very well, the seller feels very important. Yes. I mean, one of the things that a lot of these sellers are really needing is a feeling of importance and a feeling of confidence and a feeling of, you know, what they're doing. And take that back out of the business world. Whenever you feel powerful, you've probably just been listened to, right? And so whenever you have an opportunity to be the professional or be the, you know, expert on anything, if that's even just uh, like we were talking earlier about video games, even if that's you just knowing what you're talking about on video games and your friends asking for your opinion, I'm promising you that they're using, subliminally they're using techniques from this book that are outlined and you are going to feel better and like those people more because whenever you're playing that, you feel like, you have a boost in your ego and confidence that, oh, these guys want to hear what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. It applies to literally every faction of life. And so just like you said, being that good listener has both the ability of you having learned more about your partner than giving. Yes. And which helps in negotiation. We talked about that in uh, Never Split the Difference. That's right. But it also gives the other party a feeling of, importance and it's a genuine feeling of importance you are not making it seem like it you are interested in what they have to say yeah and if you know if you're not approaching it from a genuine or sincere standpoint don't i mean you're better off not approaching it at all right absolutely you've got to figure i mean you can't tell somebody i can't tell somebody listening watching whoever in general at how how to be more sincere and genuine right like we we can't tell you don't be manipulative you've got to like figure that out how do i genuinely sincerely 
be interested in this person, their wants, their needs, their likes and everything, right? Yeah. Because if it's going to be the other way around, you're going to find yourself in a hole very quickly. And you're going to be like, not lonely necessarily because people will be around you, but you're going to have that feeling of like shallowness to your relationships. Because if all you ever do is talk about yourself, you're not going to know anything about your friends or the other side of the, the table at all. And they might know a lot about you, but they might know a lot of stuff that makes them think, I don't want to be around that person, right? Well, and it's funny because there's there's kind of two, uh, kind of going off topic, but not really, kind of two different ways. You hear about the very, like the ultra wealthy or the very rich or the people who um, are, are very high up with their income, right? And there's kind of two different reasons why their circle is so small or why, why they seem alone or lonely. The first one being the more positive is they're surrounding themselves with people who are doing be- like more than them who they want to be like, which right. which makes their circle even smaller, right? The other thing would be if they're doing exactly what we're telling you not to do. If you're If you're continually criticizing, not being genuine, talking about yourself, that pushes people away very, very, very quickly. Yeah. This book isn't just about making money. This book is about creating like a well-balanced life, right? Yeah. And, and creating long-lasting relationships with people, both in the business world um, and within your personal life. Mm-hmm. The other thing, we've been talking a lot about like oral communication. A lot of the book also brings up um, body language, like just a simple smile, you know? Yeah. People like positive people. And if your demeanor is always that of somebody who's like off-putting or, you know, kind of a a put down or negative, that's not going to be somebody who a lot of people are going to want to be around, right? And so, you know, kind of like the 12 rules for life, you know, stand up, roll your shoulders back, keep your head up high and smile. That's going to attract a lot of good people and they're going to be interested in hearing about you. I mean, we're not going to say that this book doesn't give you the opportunity to talk about things that you like, but... You're going to attract the people who want to listen to you and you will create that kind of dance and sway of listening to what they want to talk about as well. That's how you create the sustainable relationship that this book is always talking about. Yeah. And one one thing I remember um, us doing a lot or at least talking about too is obviously we're in a sales position, right? right. In regards to being licensed agents, right? We are um, constantly, you know, looking for new business. We want to help more people, friends, family, referrals, all this sort of stuff, right? So when we, you know, meet a friend or meet with a family member, it can be very easy for us to jump the gun and say, hey, do you know, do you know anybody who's looking to buy or, <laughs> buy or sell real estate, right? Do, do you know anybody? Ha- like work has been good. You know, uh, I'm just looking for more referrals. Yeah. It, when you can jump the gun like that, it, it becomes very off-putting and, and, and very much a turnoff in the conversation, right? So what we've talked about, and it comes from a genuine and sincere place, is asking the other person, how's work? How has work been? How are things going at work, right? Um, and and then that gradually leads the conversation. Other people want to want to talk to you. They want to either vent to you. They want to tell you what yeah. what's going well. And yeah. then ninety nine point nine percent of the time, they're going to end their part of the conversation and go, "Well, how's work been for you?" And that's a much more natural flow of than you being able to talk about you know your work, what your how's it going for you, right? As opposed to coming off. Uh, very salesy, manipulative, or insincere. Yeah. 
I, I had to refer back to the chapter notes because this book is packed. It's packed. But <laughs> we skipped right over probably what this book is most famous for. You know what I'm about to say? I don't. <laughs> it The use of the person's name. That's so right. everybody who reads this book, that when they talk about how to win friends and influence people, my experience has been that they always refer like, oh, you know, a person's name is the sweetest sound in their language, right? Yes. And it's it's important. Like, we're not going to play it down at all, but it's been talked about a lot. So, in short, remembering people's names is a sign of respect, right? If I remember your name, you were clearly important enough for me to decide to put that into my memory. And it's very disrespectful when you don't. In the sales world and all that, they're always going to tell you, you know, use people's names as much as possible because it creates a building of rapport and it creates a familiarity. Um, but at the end of the day, remembering somebody's name comes from having enough sincere respect for the person to want to know their name. And some of the most successful people, you know, in history, um, I think they talk about uh, Carnegie. Mm-hmm. Um, is it Andrew or, Carnegie? Uh- uh, Andrew Carnegie or uh, John Rock- Rockefeller. Rockefeller. I think they talk about both of them. Yeah. That both of them were famous for being able to recall the names of thousands of people, you know, just from one interaction. And yeah. that's a skill set that we could all work on developing. And there's a ton of tools on like how you do it and all that. Um, but at the end of the day, you're never going to be good at memorizing names or remembering names if you don't have a sincere appreciation and a reason to remember them. When you yes. go to shake somebody's hand, are they somebody that you want to remember their name? Yes or no? Because once they say their name, I think a lot of us can relate to like forgetting. <laughs> yeah. And then you're sitting there and you're, you know, on your third interaction with this person and you're leaning over to the person next to you like, hey, what was that guy's name? Like, I know we met before, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and I know we can both say we've <laughs> we've both been guilty of that and been the people turning to each other yeah. and asking who's, who's uh person that name is. Yeah. I mean, it's a great point. Um I mean, and if you think about it this way, think about if you're walking into a restaurant that you go to, you know, once a month or semi-frequently, right? And, um, you know, the waiter or the host or or somebody, you know, starts to remember your name. So the next time you go in, the host goes, hey, Scott, or hey, Kate, it's good to see us. You know, same thing today or what do we got going on today? Think about it from your perspective. If I walk into a restaurant that, um, you know, I go, I go too frequently and somebody, you know, remembers my name. It, it just feels good inside. Conversely, if you are the one going in to that restaurant frequently, you've got a favorite place. Um, you recognize, you know, kind of the same worker helping you out or workers the same way they could remember your name. If you remember their name, you're walking in. Uh, hey, Scott, how, how's it going? How, you know, busy shift or whatever it is, it's going to make that other person feel just as good and feel, you know, just as happy inside um, and, and do it that way as opposed to, you know, yeah. not gl- glancing stuff over. That's that's it. That's a huge thing. So, I mean, when when you read this book, you're going to hear a lot of people uh, bring that up to you. Yeah. Glad we talked about it. <laughs> we kind of brushed past it. Yeah. Um, As it got more, as it got deeper into the you know meat and potatoes of the book you know it talked about arguments i think one of the biggest relationship killers comes from how people disagree and there's a reason why so many people get divorced right at some point nobody wants to be wrong all the time 
and my experience has been a lot of the people that I meet, the reason why divorce comes about comes from a disagreeance in a major life topic, right? Not something that you can just ignore. And with friendships, it's the same way. Whenever you see friendships break up, it's usually because they disagreed about something and neither party was willing to change and they ended up going their separate ways. This book talks about how to, dis how to be disagreeable. And the biggest thing is that it like the biggest overarching point is like if you're ever in an argument you've already lost you know the best way to win an argument is to not even create the circumstances that we would call an argument to begin with yeah being disagreeable is a skill set and so you know um the same way that we're just talking about listening smiling using people's names if you and i disagree but you are so nice about it i'm not going to raise up my temper and we're not going to, it's the emotions are going to stay level. We're not going to go and boil over. That's a huge portion of, of this section. Yeah. And conversely, an example they bring up in the workplace or, you know, in, in more specifically like in a meeting, right? When you've got two people who disagree on, you know, the best way to do things. The, the book mentions to start with something that you agree on. For example, right. in this meeting right. example, you know, approaching the meeting, you know, it, we, I think we can both agree the purpose of this meeting is to figure out the best way to move forward, increasing our sales for product X. Right. Both people, that, that's a very hard statement for each person to disagree with, right? That That is the main goal. Each person may disagree on the best way to go about that goal, but getting started with something that each party agrees on makes things a lot more, um, I don't know what the right word is, but it kind of evens the playing field. It makes things start off, you know, not people on guard and trying to push their best way for why they right. think is best, right? No, I think that's really good. And, and not only do you set it up that way, you spend the entire conversation in that mindset. Yeah. The best way I think that the book describes it is always sincerely trying to see the other side. And so if you and I disagree, you're saying, I think calling is the best route for us to make the most money. And I say, I think mailing is, but we only have the budget to do one. Sitting down and saying, look, I think we both agree that we need to get this figured out so that we can continue on and move past this in our business. And I wanna hear your thoughts on calling. Tell me everything that you think comes with the pros and cons of calling so that way I can better understand where you're coming from. And your sense of importance is, has now been met, you know? It's an important thing to understand is that that's part of the social hierarchy that comes with the human mind. You require to have a feel of sense of importance in order to be calm. Now that I've done that with you, now you can tell me, and I have the opportunity, I'm not gonna say I can or I'm going to, but I have the opportunity to put myself in your shoes and sit and pretend for a moment like we've already made the decision. And now I'm gonna hear why, why you think this, because typically if you're friends with this person, you respect their intelligence or you respect them in some way, you're giving them an opportunity to hear out their point of view. And they're much more likely to reciprocate and allow me, in like kind, be able to describe why I think mailing is the best route. And it's not like a negotiation or a disagreement as much as it's a conversation and a, it's like a fact-finding opportunity, right? Yes, more more of a, <clears throat> excuse me, more of a conversation as opposed to an argument, right? 
having that open-ended conversation where you're still being respectful of the other person's viewpoints, but approaching it in a sincere and genuine way and wanting to better understand that person in order for the conversation to go the best way it can and avoiding an argument. And just like how Never Split the Difference talks about uh, fair being a really, really crazy powerful word, wrong in a disagreement is the same thing. Yes. So when you're wrong, admit it be the person to call yourself out so that the partner doesn't have to or whatever you're in. But don't go and call somebody else out and say that they're wrong. Ask questions and don't ask them questions to make them feel stupid. That doesn't help. Ask them questions like what makes you believe that calling is the best option because you're giving them an opportunity out, right? You're giving them an off ramp. You know, maybe they think to themselves, it's not the best best option it's just the option i know the best right so you're giving them the opportunity to not admit that they're wrong but gives you wiggle room for them to agree with you yeah and if you want to make any progress you aren't gonna it's not going to be a clash of the egos i mean that's never going to work that's going to destroy every relationship yeah and you made two great points there the first being um typically if we find ourselves in a position of being wrong we you know, are either one embarrassed two ashamed, you know, some it's right. not a, it's a negative feeling as opposed to a positive. Feeling. Right. Nobody likes being wrong. We, Nobody. I, I, I'll, we could both admit that freely. I hate when I'm wrong. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So being able to address and acknowledge when you are wrong quickly, swiftly and move past it is not only going to be good for you, but also everybody else. Cause if you're the one, um, you know, now your your pride and your ego is damaged and you're going to drag this out. It's not good for anybody. And conversely, like you said, when you recognize that somebody else is wrong, there is absolutely no need to, you know, dig the knife further uh, and keep reminding or keep pushing people, you know, oh, you were wrong. This is why you were wrong. And and keep pushing how you build resentment. Let the other person save face, right? There is no need to go and keep pushing and digging and letting everyone know and them know you were wrong this is why let let your uh, opponents not the right word i don't know exactly let your partner save face let the other person save face yeah the other the the last few things on this section yeah i mean it's not a it's not a knockdown drag out fight these are conversations not arguments i think that's where a lot of people get go wrong And in a conversation, if you want to be influential, we've talked about this a million times before, but if you want somebody to actually agree with you, they need to feel like they have thought through it completely. And the best route of making somebody feel like an idea is their own was set up a premise that's genuine and sincere. Cade, you are somebody that I've always known to be interested in building this business to its highest potential. And... I hear you saying that you feel like calling is the best method. What would be a reason why you'd even consider mailing? You have to set it up in the sense that you're giving them an opportunity to think through your ideas because a lot of people aren't going to think naturally to ask you why you're going to do it. So you're giving them an opportunity to still talk. I'm still staying silent, but they're talking through your ideas now, right? So maybe the whole conversation you had talked about calling and I given you a sincere appreciation for that idea. And I might still disagree with it, but now I understand where you're coming from. Kate, I heard you say that 
um, calling was a scalable marketing method and that what we're doing now is not scalable. If we were able to figure out a way to make the mail marketing work, how would, how would that even work for you? What would that look like in an ideal world? How could we make mailing as scalable as calling, right? And so I'm setting it up where I'm still shutting up and I'm giving you the opportunity to look through my eyes at what I'm trying to do. And I, I've already set it up by saying a sincere, hey, you and I got into business because I trusted that you were good at figuring out solutions to build our company, right? And this doesn't have to be business related. It could be a solution with kids or with money. Hey, when we got married, you were always the person who was better set. I want your honest opinion on where we could cut back on our spending. Maybe you're the one that wanted to cut back on the spending to begin with. But guess what? Now you've given them shoes to fill. Yeah. And this isn't manipulation. It's as long as it's coming from a true sense of sincere appreciation and you're not sitting here just trying to, you know, corner somebody, you're going to always get a better response. And if you were to sit down, throw down, drag out, you know, hey, you keep going and spending way too much money going out to eat and you're buying too much stuff and that and the other. This is all about coming from the mindset of we're trying to work together to come to a solution and retain the friendship, right? That's yeah. what the whole section was about. When you start a conversation heated, it, it, it immediately turns into an argument and it's very, very hard to come back down from those emotions when it's very easy to start level-headed and start with, you know, those, those level-headed emotions in the first place. Yeah. I mean, the other part to this too is when you walk away, right? Again, coming back to giving feedback that is not negative. The converse is giving encouragement, right? Mm -hmm. And so now, you know, when you walk away from these, from this book, you're going to have an appreciation for when people do things that you like to give them sincere appreciation and encouragement and make, uh, make the fault easy to walk away from, right? You know, say somebody did mess up and, or say somebody caused a problem, being able to encourage them when they do something right, that's going to just continue to make you the positive person that people want to be around. Yeah. One, one thing that kind of was a light bulb for me, and it sounds kind of cliche, and, and I get why they call it the golden rule, right? Treat others the way you want to be treated. Yeah. A lot of stuff in this book, if you put yourselves in the shoes of if somebody was doing this to me, if somebody was treating me this way, or if somebody was talking to me this way, I would feel really, really good. So right. treating others the way you like to be treated, what feels good to you, that that is literally that I get why they call it the golden rule because every single thing in this book, it literally hits that to a T. Right. No, I mean, this is a phenomenal book. This is an age old wisdom kind of a book. This is not something that everybody is like not aware of. You're probably thinking yeah. to yourself, like, <laughs> I just listened to 35 minutes of Scott and Cade telling me stuff I already fucking know. Yeah. But it's not that you didn't already know it. It's are you implementing it in a way that's working? And is to me, this book works as a reminder. Like, I don't forget that somebody's name is important to them. I don't forget to ask for other people's, you know, opinion. But when we live our busy lives that everybody's living, having a book that you can sit down and maybe once a week, you just scroll through a chapter, one of the sub chapters, you're going to hear, you know, stories of really, really influential and influential and famous people. It's going to have examples of when it, when it works uh, or when Dale does a really good job talking about when he's 
failed to do it, which is a big thing is being able to admit your mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just a a good opportunity for you to have a a quick reminder. Okay, this this week I'm focusing on giving sincere encouragement or, hey, this week I'm going to make sure that I look through other people's eyes, uh, you know, or, or put myself in other people's shoes at a more sincere level. So that way. You know, when my employee comes and tells me that they, you know, completely botched a call, I'm not going to blow up at these guys. I'm, I'm going to put myself in their shoes and remind myself that I probably messed up 10 times as many calls as this person has. Yeah. Right. There's a reason why, you know, you mentioned you've read it 10 plus times. There's a reason why people read this book multiple times. And like, like you said, it's a great and I know we use it for the same way. It's a great book to ground yourself with. Right. right. If you find yourself you know, getting caught in all this stuff and, you know, things not going the way they want. It's very easy to get caught up in all that stuff. It's a very good book to ground yourself with and a very good reminder, exactly like you were saying. That's the reason why we read it so many times. It's the reason why we recommend it to so many people. It's the reason why we're doing the podcast on it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've pretty much talked about everything on, on this book. Uh, we're going to continue to build out the book series. Um, we are working on creating our social media presence. So if you're watching this, uh, feel free to give us a thumbs up, a comment, and a subscribe uh, or share anything that you liked about it. Um, and then when it comes to the books, we're putting together a book list. We're going to talk brief descriptions on it, where to find it, and uh, maybe even an order in which we recommend you read it. If I were to go by myself, I would say this is probably the most important book that we've reviewed uh, to date. And I think this is the most universally uh, useful book that we've talked about. And that's the big part, right? Because obviously our audience is mainly real estate people, people looking to get into real estate, right? Mm -hmm. But I think the universality of this book is the the biggest reason why it's so important because it's not just restricted to you or me. It's not restricted to real estate. It's not even restricted to business. It's universally applicable, which is why I think exactly. I, I agree. It's it's definitely the most important book we've reviewed so far. All right. Well, with that, I mean, that concludes our uh, 55th episode of the Pursuit of Property podcast. Uh, coming up, we're going to have a couple of new guests coming on talking about some of their more recent successes. I think we've had really great feedback from people like Jake uh, and Veronica coming on and talking about their success. We want to share people's success story. If you've recently closed your first deal or you have recently gotten into the business and even had some success, maybe not your first deal, but you had a big deal, feel free. Reach out to us. We'd love to have you on. And obviously with Jake and Ethan, we have obviously now much, much better production quality. And uh, so we'd love to be able to share you guys on, I guess, the small screen, but uh, hopefully one day elevate you guys up to the big screen. Awesome. Thanks, guys.